Hi, and welcome to the Purdue Commercial AgCast, the Purdue University Center for Commercial Agriculture's podcast featuring farm management news and information. On today's episode, I'm your host, Brady Brewer, and joining me today is Michael Langmeyer, a professor and associate director for the Center for Commercial Agriculture. On today's episode, we will be discussing tax planning and working capital. Before we jump in to that particular topic, I just want to remind everyone that for more farm management news and education, you can go to the Purdue University Center for Commercial Agriculture's website, which is located at purdue.edu backslash commercial ag. You can also go to the Purdue uh, Center for Commercial Agriculture's Twitter handle, which is at PU commercial ag. So Michael, I, I want to open it up here with you. I, I said today's topic is we're going to be talking about tax planning and working capital. What are some things that farmers uh, need to be thinking about as we close out the 2022 year and thinking about tax planning? Well, first of all, it's very important to recognize that 2021 and 2022 were very high income years for a lot of producers. Uh, this would be both crop and livestock producers to, to a large degree. And so that's very important to keep in mind. Uh, when you're looking at high income years, there's several strategies that farmers can use because their cash basis, uh, they use cash basis accounting uh, for their taxes. And so that gives them quite a bit of flexibility. Some of the standard things that farmers do uh, in most years, but particularly in, in uh, high income years is defer income. You know, rather than selling uh, quite a bit of the crop this fall, you can defer that income uh, by selling um, uh, most of the crop uh, in 2023. Uh, and so that's certainly a strategy. Prepaying expenses, rather than paying for fertilizer next March, uh, you can pay for a portion of your fertilizer, seed, and other inputs uh, in, in the fall or before the first of the year. And most people have a end of the year, December 31st. And so those are very common strategies. Let's let's continue and talk about some more. Uh, retirement plan contributions. Uh, Self-employed people like farmers have a lot of options in terms of retirement plan contributions. Uh, they have some plans like the Keel plan, the simple IRA that's designed specifically for small businesses and self-employed individuals. And in many cases, you can put a lot of money uh, into, into those retire, retirement plans. And so this might be a year to do some of that. And that's certainly a way to reduce your taxable income. I'm going to skip over depreciation for now uh, and talk about bunching itemized deductions. What I'm talking about there is primarily related to charitable contributions because you're because farms and, and others like farms, most small businesses are, are cash basis, uh, use cash basis accounting for taxes. Um, you know, if you have a high income year, if 2022 is going to be a high income year and you think 23 is not going to be as high income, you can make more of your, your charitable contributions in 22. Go ahead and itemize deductions in 22, realizing that in 23, uh, you can just use the standard deduction because you don't need the itemized deductions as much as you do for the high income year, i.e. Uh, 2022. And so that one's usually not thought of, but that is a way uh, to, to mitigate taxes in a high income year. Another one here, this is something you'd have to have done in, in, in you know, so this is hindsight. Uh, another good tax planning uh, strategy is to hire your children. Uh, in many cases, when you hire your children, uh, you don't have to collect self-employment uh, taxes on your children. 
children and, and they get a chance to, to receive some income, which reduces uh, your income. Uh, and all of the strategies we've talked about so far do not drain working capital. If you're deferring income, yes, you change the working capital. Um, uh, you don't have as much working capital this fall. You have it next spring. But you're still receiving the income. And so you're not draining working capital over a long period of time. The one, uh, the one strategy that a lot of people use that does drain working capital is using accelerated depreciation. We have a couple of really good tools that are available uh, for farmers and small businesses. Uh, Section 179 deduction is, is over a million dollars uh, in 2022. It's $1.08 million uh, in terms of the, your, your maximum deduction. You can deduct uh, as little as you want. I mean, you, and, and Section 179 is so powerful because you can buy a $500,000 uh, machine, and if you only need $50,000 uh, in Section 179, you can just use $50,000 uh, and help mitigate your tax. So there's a lot of flexibility with Section 179 deduction. There's also 100% bonus depreciation in 2022, where you completely depreciate an asset uh, in, in 2022 uh, when you when you purchase that. Uh, a couple things to keep in mind if you're buying assets using these accelerated depreciation. Uh, first thing to keep in mind is. Uh, the asset needs to be placed in service in order to uh, uh, take the depreciation deduction in 2022. So if you're buying a planter, for example, that planter has to be on your farm, not in pieces uh, 200 miles away. It has to be on your farm and ready to use if you're going to be able to take that depreciation deduction in 2022. So that's a very important. But to, to get to our uh, topic today, when you use accelerated depreciation, you're, you're buying an expensive asset asset. Prices are not real low right now, either for new machinery or used machinery. Many of these accelerated depreciation um, um, methods you can use on, on newer used machinery. Uh, and, and so in essence, what you're doing is you're probably using part of your working capital either to pay for all of the machine or for a down payment on the machine. Uh, and that, leave, that might leave you a little short uh, in terms of working capital going into the next year. And, and the reason why this is so important right now is it looks like when you look at projections that 23 is not going to be as good. 23 could be better. Uh, you know, 20, We didn't think 22 was going to be as good as it, as it looks like it's going to be a year ago. So 23 could be even better. But looking at projections, it doesn't look like it's going to be as good. We've got very high... Uh, uh, break-even prices for corn and soybeans, uh, over $6 for corn and, and, and $14 for soybeans. And so uh, if prices come down, uh, the margins for 23 are not going to be very good. And so let me circle back here. If you're using your working capital uh, to buy, buy machinery or equipment or grain bins or, or you know, um, uh, um, uh, specialized hog buildings, uh, uh, barns for laying hens, all of these can use accelerated depreciation on, uh, that may leave you a little short uh, for working capital in 23, and, and you need your working capital for a lot of different things. First of all, you, uh, as a self-employed person, many times you're paying yourself out of the residual profits. And so how, how are you going to pay for yourself uh, if there's not uh, much cash flow there? Uh, just as importantly, if not more importantly, uh, can you make principal payments if, if you drain your working capital? That's huge, uh, and so you want to you want to make sure that you're that you're thinking about that uh, when you're using accelerated depreciation. Uh, and, and again, it's because the 23 looks like it's going to be a little tougher year uh, than 22. I talked about high break-even prices, Brady. The other thing I want to talk about uh, is uh, is looking at net farm income itself. 
And so when you look at net farm income prospects for 23, they are considerably lower than 21 and 22. I'm using a case farm to talk about this. And the average uh, net farm income per acre since 2007 for this case farm is about $140 to $150. Uh, in 21 and 22, it was way above that. Uh, $350 in, in 21 and close to $250 in 22. And then we got 23 that looks like it's about $50 per acre and so we we're looking at a situation where working capital is going to be lower and so that's why you have to think about what you're doing uh, from a tax planning standpoint uh, when you're buying assets in late 22 that you're going to have to pay for for several years uh, and, and so that's something uh, to keep in mind uh, when, when you're using these accelerated depreciation uh, tools uh, and as I said I said before let me re repeat that because it's very important some of these other tax mitigation strategies do not have that that negative impact on, on working capital as buying machinery. And so deferring income, prepaying expenses, some of these kinds of things are much safer uh, ways uh, right now to, to reduce taxable income uh, than buying assets. But if you need to buy assets, if, if you haven't replaced assets for a while and you, and you really need a new planter for some, something, it doesn't mean you don't necessarily do it, but you really do some, really do some uh, penciling uh, and seeing what your working capital situation would be after you've made that purchase. Do I have enough uh, to cover uh, uh, how much money I want to take out next year for, for uh, family living expenses. Do I have enough uh, to make principal payments on debt? Uh, and this gives us to one of my favorite ratios, Brady, uh, the replacement margin. This is used extensively by lenders. Um, and, and what the replacement margin is measuring is a farm's ability to cover owner withdrawals, principal on term debt, and then also depreciation. Uh, you know, th uh, Theoretically or conceptually, depreciation is money you set aside to replace assets. And so there's going to be years where you can't put any money aside uh, to replace assets, but you don't, you can't, obviously can't do that over time. Over time, you have to have enough money to be able to replace assets. And so we want this replacement margin to be positive so that there's money for owner withdrawals, money for paying term debt, and there's money to replace uh, assets. And this is before we do anything uh, related to growth. Uh, if we're growing the farm, uh, then we need a very positive replacement margin so that we can buy additional assets, rent additional ground, maybe make down payments on land. Um, you know, land's expensive right now, and so that takes a lot of money. Uh, and so that's why I, I use this uh, replacement margin. Uh, working capital is typically measured uh, using uh, a current ratio, current assets divided by current liabilities. And Brady, I don't know what you're teaching in your class, but I usually use a ratio of two. Is that something that you're using? So I, I do two for the current ratio. And if, if you want to calculate the quick ratio and uh, or the asset test ratio where you take inventories out. Uh, sometimes I think that that's not as applicable to farmers per se, uh, but I'll go with a one of a quick ratio, but for sure a two of, of, a, of a current ratio. And one of the big assets for farmers, that's why I kind of like the current ratio rather than the quick ratio, uh, the, the quick ratio takes out crop inventories. And, 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 and the, one of the biggest current assets by far for a crop producer is crop in storage. And so if you take that out, I mean, and, and what do you use that crop in storage for? Well, obviously, you store crops for a lot of reasons. You want to sell corn for corn or soybeans for a higher price at a later time. Uh, you know, that, that's certainly one reason, or you're trying to, you're trying to make some 
money on basis changes. That could be another reason, but it's also a cushion. Uh, I have that money available if if I need to make uh, some purchases or expenses or more than I thought they were going to be. And so working capital really gauges uh, in some ways this ability to cover cash uh, shortfalls and to make down payment on, on, on asset purchases. And so the replacement margin is relatively low. Uh, it's important to preserve working capital so that we can at least cover owner withdrawals and principal on term debt. And and depending on what your current ratio is right now, for a lot of farms, it's pretty strong. But if it's not that strong, you need to be really careful uh, on how you approach these tax mitigation strategies because you're probably going to need uh, you need the cash flow that you have in order to uh, uh, for owner withdrawals and uh, to to pay principal on term debt. Uh, um, you know term debt next fall. If we look go back to my case farm, you know a $50 net farm income, that's not going to go very far. That's barely going to cover owner withdrawals in a lot of cases. That's not going to cover any principal payments. And so you get the idea, we need that cushion coming out of 21 and 22 to help us pay bills in 23 and perhaps into 24. Um, if we look at the case farm and look at the, uh, the projected replacement margin, uh, I've got bad news. Uh, it's negative. Uh, and, and again, this is just projections right now. I mean, it's high, high break-even costs. We're expecting uh, prices to come down. This is a corn soybean farm. We're expecting prices to come down a little bit from current levels. Uh, if, if that, you know, if costs aren't as high as we th- as we think they're going to be, or prices uh, uh, you know, maintain uh, the current levels, we will have a positive replacement margin. But that's why we do these scenarios, Brady, so we can look at look at uh, uh, cases, if you will, or the chances probability uh, that we're going to have a low replacement margin. And I'll just sum this up by saying it, it's fairly probable right now that that replacement margin is going to be relatively relatively small. Just to give you an idea how small, it's it's as low as what it was back in 2019 uh, before COVID. Uh, we've had per, three pretty good years in a row in terms of uh, uh, in terms of of, uh, uh, of cash flow. Um, 20 was pretty good because of big government payments. 21 and 22 were very, very good because of strong uh, crop prices. And then 23 looks like it's reverting back uh, to where we were during that 14 to 19 period. And so ha- having some working capital build up uh, is very important uh, as we move forward. Uh, and, and just keep this in mind. Keep this working capital uh, position in mind uh, when you're looking at uh, uh, tax uh, mitigation strategies or trying to reduce your taxable income uh, in, in 23. Just to kind of reiterate uh, some of the tax strategies again, um, you know, if you do deferred income, uh, prepay taxes, repi- retirement plan contributions to maybe a lesser degree, you have to come up with money for that, uh, bunching itemized deductions, higher, you know, paying your children. These kinds of things are really not draining uh, working capital that much uh, compared to uh, buying machinery and buildings. And so uh, when you're buying machinery and buildings, just keep your eyes open uh, and, and make sure that you have you have enough working capital left uh, to get you through 23 and 24. Is there one of these options, uh, you know, that, that don't drain the working capital, Michael, so I'll put you on the spot. Uh, is there is there one that you're a little bit fond of? I mean, there, there's one up there that catches my eye. Deferring income, I think, is a, is a very common one. And, and uh, you know, prepaying expenses, you got to come up with the cash. Yeah. And so that, you know, they, if you're doing two, three, four hundred thousand dollars of prepaid expenses on a large farm, that's not uncommon. You have to come up with that cash. Whereas you're deferring income, you have to come up with nothing. Now, you don't get the, you know, you can't pay bills as fast. But for a lot of farms coming out of 22, their cash flow has been pretty good. And so they're probably not in a situation where they can't pay bills 
schools in the fall here uh, if they defer some income. And so if I looked at all these strategies, uh, I think the deferring income is the one I would keep my eye on very, very closely if you have tight working capital. So that that's the one that I was leaning towards because, I mean, you know, especially the, the prepaying expenses, uh, there's obviously that's going to reduce your taxable base if you prepay expenses. But now you're putting yourself next year uh, where you're reducing your amount of deductions for next year. Now, granted, we do have less net income prospects next year. So maybe you won't need those deductions quite as much. Uh, but, you know, yeah, that one I'm a little averse to, given the circumstances. Um, the, the, the deferring income is the one I want, you know, that I would be and the retirement plan contributions is a good idea, but it depends on your situation. Uh, are you going to have, or what are you going to have, what kind of income are you going to have in retirement? Uh, if you have quite a bit of land holdings, uh, you're going to have cash rent. Even if you're renting it to your relatives or your, your son or daughter, you're going to have cash rent. And so it's not quite as important. Notice uh, I said not quite as important. I didn't say it was not important uh, to, to have some retirement plan contributions. But if that's not your situation, uh, if it looks like you're going to be the last person uh, that, that ru runs the farm, for example, and you don't have a lot of owned acres in particular, you need to put some money away in these retirement plan contributions. Yep. Uh, and, and again, the Keogh, uh, it can be up to $58,000. Uh, you know, you, so you can put a lot of money in some of these some, some of these retirement plans. And so, you know, seriously consider that in any year. Do you have some money available uh, to put into retirement plan contributions? So you have some, you have some retirement funds in addition uh, to your agriculture uh, income uh, that you might be expecting down the road. Yeah. And, and I do just kind of want to summarize, you know, one of your main suggestions here, Michael, is that while that section 179 deduction, you know, the accelerated depreciation, you know, that that's an easy way to deduct your taxable or to reduce your taxable base. Uh, you know, and I know we all hate paying taxes, uh, you know, it, it, but it is a fact of life. And I tend to say, uh, if you have taxes, that's a good thing because you're making money. Um, but, uh, you know, I think your suggestion, if, if you've been putting off a replacement asset, now is the time to take that deduction, that 179, to replace that asset if you have the working capital, you know, because it, breakdowns efficiency-wise, you know, that's going to help your profitability next year. But if you d haven't been putting it off, you know, don't, you know, really think about how that asset purchase, whether it's a building, whether it's a tractor or another piece of equipment, really think about how it's going to impact the profitability of your farm. Uh, because yes, the taxes, none of us like paying them, but it's a one-time thing and that tractor is going to live for several years or that building's going to live for several years and it's going to be impacting your profitability for the foreseeable future. And you're going to be making principal payments on that asset probably for several years, uh, you know, assuming you make a down payment and, and the rest is the rest is in, in terms of a loan. So, uh, so you want to make sure you can be able to cover those principal payments down the road. Another thing I, I should mention here, Brady, we've talked about interest rates on other podcasts. This, you know, usually when cash flow is high, we buy machinery, we buy grain bins, we we build, uh, we we buy, we put up buildings and shops and other things like that. But this is a particularly precarious environment we're in with respect to buying assets for a couple reasons. I mentioned it earlier, assets aren't exactly cheap right now. New and used machinery is expensive, and and so that's important. But also interest rates have, have climbed dramatically 
dramatically uh, and are probably going to stay high for at least a little while. And so those interest payments are much, much higher than what they were a year or two ago. And so keep that also in mind. It affects your affordability. I mean, you go with your, you talk to your students about, uh, you know, capital budgeting and affordability uh, of buying assets. These things affect the affordability uh, of buying assets. Yeah. And it also, you know, not just beyond the risk perspective, right? So uh, you mentioned the working capital for you want to be able to pay yourself, especially with the decrease in net income that's expected for 2023. Uh, but the other thing I'll say that working capital can do is working capital can be used to purchase things that may become more important here next year. Uh, we may see a softening of land prices. We could see a softening of equipment prices. So that money could actually go further and get something that may be more valuable to your farm here in about 12 months. So, you know, there is a, a uh, option value to, to having that working capital on hand because it allows you to expand your farm or your farm business uh, maybe in, in a more strategic way here over the next year. Yeah, definitely. Uh, so with that, we have uh, hope you've enjoyed our discussion on tax planning here as we end out 2022 and move into the 2023 season. I just want to remind all the listeners again, for more economic information, please visit us at the Purdue Center for Commercial Agriculture's website at purdue.edu backslash commercial ag. You can also find us on Twitter uh, with a handle at PU Commercial Ag. On behalf of the Center for Commercial Agriculture team, I'm Brady Brewer and Michael Langmeyer, and we thank you for listening to today's episode. <music>